Yeah, you know, this has been a summer of gear one for me, which is really unusual. I, I saw Paul Hamrick, I, I gotta tell this quick story. We're a really, really famous restaurant in uh, Savannah, Georgia a couple weeks ago. I mean, it was a 120-year-old restaurant. People line up outside to have breakfast. So uh, we took our family there, and uh, you know, I was telling Paul, you know, I was in the South, so I had to have sausage and biscuits. And I said, they were almost as good as Paul Hammers. <laughs> yeah, that was true. I, I like yours better. Yeah. So gear one, you know, I, I usually am coaching basketball or football all summer. Uh, but that's not happening at this point, and uh, so I've had a lot of downtime. It's been it's been really really good. Um, Brenda and I celebrated our 47th wedding anniversary this summer. Um, yeah. Now the way I celebrated that was my my sons used to always mock cheerleaders. I'm sorry. Um, we don't have any in the house. But to celebrate it, I helped my son Mark mow in Montana. This was June 14th. Thank you for putting your flags out that day for our anniversary on this flag day, by the way. So anyhow, I'm helping my son mow. It's 47 degrees and 30 mile an hour winds. And I am dressed like it's a blizzard. And the coldest I've ever been. That's why we celebrated our anniversary. We did, we did have a, a nice meal afterwards, though. You know, uh, speaking about looking forward to this next thing this summer, this week, we have 23 in our family, and we're all meeting in Michigan City, Indiana, uh, this weekend and the following week. So if you pray that the whole crew could get there, I really would appreciate that. I'm working on a project at home. My brother Ken's been helping me, and every day when I go out, I'm building a carport. My wife is, don't get hurt. All right? I mean, we have vacation coming. Don't get hurt. So, my biggest injury so far is I went in the house to take a nap, and as I was reaching for a pillow, I caught my fingernail on the couch and it tore my fingernail. But I, I think I'll still be able to go to a, on vacation at this point. So, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting summer. Um, you know, the summer of the Psalms has been really off to a great start with Blaine. And, you know, I so look forward to hearing the people we have teach here. Um, we are just blessed to have such a great group of godly guys that are willing to preach. Um, I so appreciate Pastor Shane. You know, I, I, when I was a young teacher, we used to have a little math teacher. He said, you know what, this would be a great job if it wasn't for the kids. Um, uh, some days I feel that way. But anyhow, uh, just continue to pray for Shane and Mary and your family. Uh, this is a really stressful job, really is. Dealing with people is not always an easy thing. We, we just so appreciate their family. Um, you know, I love to teach and coach. I would actually was thinking about retiring this year because it's only been 45. And God changed my heart, really, in the spring. And I had some people ask people to pray. And for the last couple months of school, God was just like, you're not done yet. So I'm back. Justin and I are going to coach football together this fall, so looking forward to that. Well, let's have a word of prayer. We're going to get started. God, just so grateful that you're here, that you invite us into your house. And I, I thank you for those that are singing and raising their hands and worshiping you. And pray as we talk about uh, some of those kind of things today that uh, 
you'd fill me with the words that you want me to share and that your name would be exalted in everything that takes place today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm 63 is what we're going to be talking about today. It's funny when, when uh, Shane sent out a, a request to have people volunteer to share a psalm, I'm like, I got the psalm, Psalm 63. And I think, nobody knows about it. I've had about a dozen people, oh, that's my favorite psalm. So I probably shouldn't be the one teaching this, but uh, I'm just going to share some thoughts about this psalm. Before we start, um, this is written by David while he's in the wilderness. Most commentators would agree that it's prior to him becoming king, when he's already been ordained to be king, God know, he knows God has called him to do this. But Saul is still living, and Saul is chasing David in the wilderness, trying to kill him. But David has such a reverence for the king that he does not try to kill Saul. So it's sort of a, I was thinking about Shane's message last week. This is sort of David's Egypt experience, if you will. Um, so let's uh, take a look at Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you, th I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals, but the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. We're going to focus primarily on the first eight verses today. So let's, let's jump in here with verse 1. It says, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. You know, one of the things I like to do if I'm preparing a talk or preaching a sermon is to ask questions to myself. And, you know, the first question is, God, you're God, all right? Do you seek God earnestly, or are you going through the motions? What are you thirsty for? What or who do you long for? What's your go-to when you're in the wilderness? You know, um, that idea of God being my God, that's a really possessive statement, right? You know, I'm sure you've been in situations where, you know, this is my brother, or this is my wife, this is my grandchild. This is my 57 Chevy. You know, we, we take ownership of things. You know, do we have that kind of an attitude with God? This is my God. Um, how about, what if claiming God is your God would cost you your job? Or cost you passing a college class? Or pass getting a degree? You know, people have lost those opportunities just for claiming God is their God. Are you and I so possessive of God that we're going to cling to Him no matter what? Okay? You know, the idea of earnestly seeking, earnestly means with sincere and intense conviction. Right? 
And I was thinking about that. You know, I probably am assuming many of us in here read our Bibles. You know, we have quiet times. We have devotions. We might have family devotions. But am I sincere and intense conviction as I'm spending that time with God? You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty disciplined. I got a little tablet I'm taking notes in. And I can just go right through the motions and go right out to that carport and not really think two bits about what I just did. So... Am I really earnestly seeking God? And they think about um, being thirsty. Um, that's an amazing sensation. I, you probably think back at times in your life where you were just so thirsty. All right? So David's in the wilderness, and he's in a place where there is no water. And I was thinking about water. Jesus' talk at the woman at the well is an amazing picture of water. I don't know how many of you have watched um, The Chosen, but I think it's season two, Woman at the Well. It's season one. I shared it at FCA one time this past year, and what an amazing picture. And Jesus said, I'm the living water, right? And if we know Jesus, even though we're in the wilderness, we will never be thirsty. Isn't that amazing? That, that resource is always going to be there. Okay? Let's jump on. Verse 2. Uh-oh, don't shuffle my pages here. Uh, I, I can't do a tablet. I'm, you know, when I started teaching, we, had, we wrote on duplicating paper and ran it in a hand-cranked mimeograph. So just be, be patient. All right? Uh, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Have you? Are you really looking? Have you seen him in the wilderness? You know, I was thinking about this. You know, for David, you know, I don't know that he had ever had any temple experience. Maybe he did at this point in his life where he saw God's power and his glory. I'm sure he experienced God's power and glory in the wilderness when he was tending sheep. I don't know how many of you are stargazers, but I love to see the stars and the beauty of God's creation. That's just so powerful. Um, I'm sure... David experienced God's power when he beheaded Goliath. What, a, what an amazing story. Amazing thing. I'm sure he experienced God's glory. Well, but what about you and I? What does he look like in here? Well, I think I saw him this morning as I was back in the corner playing bass and seeing people engaged in worship. You know, we can see God's glory in other people as they glorify him. I think that's just really, really cool. You know, as you love God and love people that walk through these doors, uh, we're showing God's glory. And again, the, you know, the idea of God's creation, you know, the ocean. Um, we were swimming at uh, Tybee Island a couple weeks ago, and it was 83-degree water temperature. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to check to see what Michigan temperature. We're going to be there in two weeks. Dave, it was 63. So take your wetsuit. Um, Anyhow, what an amazing creation. You know, when I was out in Montana, I'm helping my son Mark mow. Now, I'm one of those stand-behind mowers. You sort of lean in and squeeze the handles. Have you ever tried to mow a straight line with one of those? It's like riding a wild horse. But as I'm mowing, this it actually was a church, a large property of church. Two miles away was an 8,200 feet snow-capped mountain. It's so surreal. I'm mowing grass, looking at a snow-capped mountain. 
God is an awesome, powerful God, and we need to look for his power and his glory. Verse 3, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I remember reading through this song for the first time, and this was an aha moment for me, that God's love is better than life. Life disappoints and is not able to completely satisfy. Only God's constant love and steady devotion can satisfy us fully. Charles Spurgeon said, To dwell with God is better than life at its best. Life at ease, life in a palace, in health, in honor, in wealth, in pleasure. Yea, a thousand lives are not equal to the eternal life which abides in Jehovah's smile. Alright? So, it's amazing. You know, I'm guilty of underestimating God's love. I mean, I, really, I just sort of take it for granted. Oh yeah, God loves me. God loves the world. You know, in our travels, we like to listen to books on tape. And um, I can't even name them all, but one was the story of a woman in a concentration, German concentration camp, right? And God was there. But the way humanity treats humanity is shocking, right? We heard the, uh, a book about some little-known stories about the Revolutionary War. Men were captured and put in the bottom of wooden ships that were stuck in sandbars as a prison, basically to starve to death. All right? Just sounded just like Nazi concentration camps. Listen to a story of an 11-year-old in the Bronx or the Queens, doesn't matter, New York City. His goal as an 11-year-old was to be a drug lord. And he was in that culture for six or seven years, and then he came to know Christ. But people's hearts are dark. God loves the world. He loves my dark heart, and he loves yours. That's just an amazing thing. All right? You see, Satan's goal for you and I is not life, it's death. He wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we could have life and have it abundantly. How much more amazing love could you have than to die on the cross. You know, I, I sort of go through this mental list as I pray. You know, thank you for your creation, the flood, the cradle, the cross, and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, boy, I, I have to stop at the cross because just saying thanks for the cross seems a little weak because it's just such an amazing thing that God was willing to do. All right? Um, let's go next. Verse 4 says... I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I'll lift up my hands. Alright? You know, one of the prayers that I have for young people as I see them get baptized and the kids at FCA that you know they're taking a stand for Christ is are they in this for a lifetime? Because I know when I was that age, we had a group of kids in the youth group that Roger led, we had 60 kids. A lot of those kids bailed, right? So my question is, are you in this for a lifetime? Is this a lifetime commitment, or is this just a phase? You know, right now I'm into church. Or is Christ your Lord for a lifetime? Um, a quote I heard years ago, the way to make it over the long haul is to follow Jesus today. Alright? Sarah and I were talking this morning about, you know, God gives us grace for today. Um, so am I following Jesus today? If I do that, 
and then I take a step into tomorrow and I follow Jesus today, and I continue to do that, I'm going to follow Jesus for a lifetime. Let's, let's talk about this thing about lifting up my hands. Um, I know it's an awkward thing for many of us, right? And I'm not judging here. But I want you to think about, in your name I will lift up my hands, okay? What's the significance of lifting up your hands? Well, there's a few things. One, it's in celebration, right? So I had to dig four holes for this carport, right? With a post hole digger. And it is nasty hard. And I'm exhausted. And I remember walking into the living room and going, I'm done. Right? It was a celebration. I'm sure you've experienced that in, in sports as well, many, as, many of you, okay? It's a sign of surrender, right? I, I, I give up. Sign of surrender. Uh, it's a sign of acceptance, okay? And it's a sign of the fact that I need to be lifted up, okay? There's not many joys greater than having your, well, it was kids, but now they're bigger than I am, but grandkids that run up and do this. How awesome is that? We'd been away for a week, it, well, David had been away for a week, and we stopped at his house, and Hattie Ann, who just cracks me up, she came out the door and came running down the ramp, one of the hug. I mean, that's just like, well, but what a picture. We were in Savannah a couple weeks ago, and well, Emmy Grace, you had to think of that one. Uh, Emmy's 14 months, I'm on the floor playing with her. She's over here playing, and she turns around and goes like this. Just walked over to give me a hug. That made the trip to Georgia worth it, by the way. Um, but that's what God is looking for. He's looking for a hug. You know, his hands are outstretched to us. So, we need to be in this for a lifetime. I mean, what's the choices? Choose life or choose death. I'm, I'm choosing life. I'm sure you are too. The next verse, verse 5, says, I will, will be fully satisfied with the richest foods, with singing, lips, my mouth will praise you. Okay? Uh, satisfied means to be contented or pleased. You know, what is your go-to to be contented? All right? Is it Stuff Mart? I love, I love that uh, Veggie Tales one. Um, is it food? Is it TV or screen time? You know, what's your go-to to be contented? Well, God's calling us to be contented in Him. All right? Um, the singing thing. Now, I really enjoy listening to people sing here. Um, I always make sure, that as soon as I get done here, I have to make sure that this is off so that you're not hearing me sing. It's not a pleasant sound. Right? I remember the first time I wore this, my whole family asked me six times, is that thing off? <laughs> so, and when we were playing, Joe, I was playing your guitar over at the Denver building for one of the services, and Brenda goes, I can hear your voice through that guitar because it's got a microphone in it, so I can't, couldn't sing that either. But singing, you know, what a, what a privilege. It should be from the overflow of our heart. I don't think God really cares if it's on key. He wants to know the condition of our heart. All right? It should come from a full, humble, grateful heart. But I think you also have to look at your motivation. I mean, maybe you like to sing because you have a great voice. That's okay. But what's my motivation to sing? Is it in praise and worship to God? You know, I was listening to a podcast or something recently. I'd heard this before that when the Nazis 
were shipping the Jews to concentration camps. Many of the railways went right behind the Christian churches in Germany. So when they started to realize what was happening, when they heard the trains coming, the people sang louder so they wouldn't have to hear the trains. Right? I'm not sure that's a great motivation. But we have a God that's worthy of our praise. It's interesting. Um, I was looking up singing in the book of Revelation because we're going to be there, right? A couple of things that really struck me. There's actually seven hymns in the book of Revelation from chapter 4 through chapter 8, I believe it is. Um, now, chapter 5, verse 9, talks about um, singing a new song. The rest of them are just talking about saying this and saying that. But that word for say can also be translated singing. I think there's going to be singing in heaven. And if you read those passages, people are falling face down. All right? And you know, as I was thinking about this, there wasn't anybody standing over there like, I'm not going to the ground. You know, these are new genes. You know, I think we're all going to be involved. Might as well get some practice while we're here. All right? Um, verse 6. On my bed, I remember you, I think of you through the night watches. I am not and have not for a long time been a good sleeper. My wife's back here laughing. She knows I, I just don't sleep. Um, so what do you do when you wake up at night, especially if you're fearful or you're worried? Well, a couple suggestions. Start thinking of the names of God. And if you don't know any, read the book of Isaiah, read through the book of Psalms and start making a list. Okay? Review verses maybe you've memorized. Or pray for family, friends, etc. Those are things, that's where I can invest the time that I am awake at night. And the cool thing is, God's never asleep. He's waiting for me to spend that time with Him. Verse 7, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. It's pretty interesting here that, you know, David acknowledges that God is his helper, but there's not really any plea for help in this psalm. He's just content with praising God, even though he's in the wilderness and in some serious trouble. He's more focused on praise and thanksgiving. All right? um, this idea of the shadow of your wings. You know, wings are a picture of protection and shelter. Um, we have the opportunity as Christ followers, to be under God's shelter, shelter of his wings. What a great place to, great place to be. And then verse 8, I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. Again, you know, you've probably held a child that's scared, or they see something that scares them and they just grab on, all right? That's what I get, that's the picture I get when I'm, you know, when I cling to God. Am I really clinging or am I following at a distance, all right? Am I in the habit of continually clinging to God? Because no one loves me more than he does. Who, who would be better to cling to, all right? One of my favorite songs of a recent artist is uh, Cody Carnes. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. You know, if you need something secure to cling to, what could be more secure than God? And this idea of a right hand, that's a place of honor. It's a strong hand. It's God's hand. 
and it's a place of comfort. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that I have something worth clinging to when life doesn't uh, go so good. And the last couple of verses with 9 through 10, verse, those two verses really talk about trusting God despite the trouble. And verse 11 talks about God's, or David's confidence that God's going to keep his promise. So those are things that you and I can, we can trust God in trouble, and we can have confidence in his promises. You know, in closing, sort of summarizing this psalm, number one, God's my God. I thirst for him. I praise him for a lifetime with my lips, lifting up my hands, singing, enjoying the shoulder of his wings. Now, the reason I do this is because God's love is better than life. That's the way that verse starts, because God's love is better than life. My response can be singing, raising hands, clinging. And finally, I am fully satisfied in Christ. He's my help. He upholds me. He keeps me in the shadow as it wings. Let's live there. Let's pray. Father God, you are just amazing to think that in my broken condition, in our broken condition, that you love us unconditionally. And that you demonstrated by that, that by going to the cross and paying for the sins of the world, even those who will ultimately reject you. Thank you for calling each one of us that's here. I pray that if we've never responded to that call, that today would be the day. And that we could experience a, a love that's better than life. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Jim. If you could all stand with us, please. Just sing a couple of songs to end here. Just super grateful for Jim and his, his faithfulness over the long haul. And that, just that concept of one day at a time being given the grace for today. And I love that beautiful song as well. And um, whatever God was speaking to you through that, this is your chance. This is your time to be able to call on him. And uh, if there is some conviction, you can...